Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. The question I want to deal with today is, are we living in the new covenant? I posed this question to my Bible study a couple of weeks ago, and it was simply, are we living in the new covenant? After all, in all of our Bibles, there's a page between Malachi and Matthew, which clearly says New Testament, which means new covenant. Well, first we need to understand what that the new covenant was a promise that God gave to the nation of Israel. And the promise was that he would bring them back into their own land where they would realize the blessings that had been promised to their fathers. In Luke chapter 1, verse number 17, uh, 72, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of the days of our life. Now, this covenant, the beginnings of this covenant, are found in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy uh, chapter number 30 is where we first see this covenant. So let's see, Deuteronomy, or the promise of this covenant, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse number 1. And it shall come to pass, when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee. And shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul. That then the Lord thy God will return thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all nations, whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out unto the utmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence he will fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it. And he will be to thee good, and multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart, and the heart of thy seed, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord to do his commandments, which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy land, for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee, for good as he rejoiced over thy fathers. So but the beginnings of this covenant are found in Deuteronomy where God promises that he will, number one, have compassion on them. Number two, he will gather them from out of the nations. Number three, he will allow them to dwell in the promised land. 
Number four, he will circumcise their hearts so that they can obey the commandments. And number five, he will make them plenteous in every work of thy hands. So the end result would be that the covenant would provide for their redemption and institute what was needed to begin God's plans of blessing the kindreds of the earth through them. God's plan was to bless the kindreds of the earth through the Jewish nation, through their priesthood. You know, in Genesis 12, 3, And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God once wanted to bless the nations of the earth through the nation of Israel via the new covenant. In Genesis 22:18, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed my voice. Have they obeyed? In Acts 3:25, ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. In other words, what Israel failed to accomplish on their own under the old covenant, God said he would provide for them under the new. The prophets are reminded or at least they reminded the Jews of this promised new covenant. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse number 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. He also goes on to describe how God will put the law in their inward parts and remember their sins no more. Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34. Ezekiel also describes this, this supernatural empowerment that will accompany the new covenant when he writes, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments, and you will do them. Ezekiel 36, 27. Ezekiel goes on to mention how God will do several things that Jeremiah also mentioned when he said that he will gather them out of all nations. He will allow them to dwell in the promised land. He will multiply the fruit of the tree of the increase of the field. And they would receive no more reproach among the heathen. All of these were things were promised to the Jewish people via the new covenant. Also in the book of Romans, in the New Testament, Paul says that Jesus was a minister to the circumcision. Why? To confirm the promises made to the fathers. Romans 15, 8, 15, 8. Hebrews tells us that Jesus came as the mediator of what? The new covenant. Jesus testified to just that during the Passover supper with the disciples when he described the symbolism of of the meal when he said, For this is my blood in the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Matthew 26, 28. 
Christ spent his entire earthly ministry preparing his disciples for the coming kingdom and the new covenant. And he was teaching them about the law and how they would receive supernatural empowerment, which would come at Pentecost, and then would send them out in John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. In Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters. He will, either he'll hate the one, he'll love the other, he'll hold to the one, he'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Hebrews also tells us that the new covenant could not be in force until after the death of the testator, which was Christ. So there could have been no new covenant put in force in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John until at least the latter half for the crucifixion at the earliest. Because in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 17, it says, For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it has no strength while the testator liveth. So when Jesus died, he sent forth the comforter, just as he had promised, this supernatural empowerment to prepare them for the new covenant and the power to enter into the promised kingdom. So this new covenant was in his blood, which means he had to die before the new covenant could be enforced. After he died, Pentecost occurred. The supernatural anointing and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit filled them in Acts 2 to prepare them for the kingdom that would come. John 14, 26, But the Comforter which the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. It is the same better covenant that the author of Hebrews refers to in Hebrews 8, 6, when he says, But now he hath obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is a member of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. That's contrasting the new covenant with the old covenant. Also, it must be understood that before he could bring in the new covenant, Israel's past transgressions that they committed under the old covenant had to be redeemed. Because in Hebrews 9.15, the author says, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament by the means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So before the new covenant could be ushered in, the testator had to die to forgive the sins that were committed under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant. Are we living... In the new covenant my answer to you is no we are not living in the new covenant why 
Yes, it was offered, but it was never realized. Why? Because the nation of Israel rejected the message and the messenger. As a result, God raised up the Apostle Paul to reveal the mystery of the church, which will continue until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, during which time he will reconcile the world back to himself apart from any covenant or any special people. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, To wit what God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their transgressions unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So, during this current dispensation, believers receive the benefits of the redemptive work of Christ on the cross outside of any covenant. Listen, the covenants were not made to Gentiles. The covenants were made with Jews. And no, we are not Jews. We are the body of Christ. We are Gentiles. The new covenant is between God and the Jewish people, not between God and Gentiles. Christ sent his son to pronounce the kingdom of heaven is at hand, not here, at hand, to prepare them for his crucifixion. Yes, he had to die. No, them killing him was not a rejection of the kingdom. It had to happen. But them rejecting the Holy Spirit that was poured out in Acts chapter number 2 was blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And as a result, the kingdom was postponed. And the mystery was revealed to the Apostle Paul. And you and I are living under the age of grace. We are, if you will, living in between. We are living under the mediator. We are not living under the old. We are not living under the new. Because the old and the new have nothing to do with you. They have everything to do with the Jewish nation. Today there is neither Jew nor Gentile, as the Apostle Paul said. God hath concluded them all in unbelief. Who's all? The Jewish nation. He has considered them all in unbelief. Why? That he might have mercy upon all. So are we living under the new covenant? My answer to you is no. For years, I would have said differently. But as I begin to compare scripture with scripture, we have taken God's promises to the Jewish nation and applied them to the church. We are committing what I call mild, soft <laughs> replacement theology. We are not Israel. Israel's promises do not belong to us. Yes, we benefit from those promises, no doubt. But understand, God's plan was to come, send the Messiah, because the sins... Un committed under the Old Testament had to be 
remitted. That happened on the cross. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out as promised in all the verses that we've just read, that supernatural empowerment upon the Jewish nation so that they they could take Christ to the nations. But they didn't do it. They blasphemed the Holy Spirit. They pushed away what God did at Pentecost. And God has set them aside. He has postponed the kingdom. They are in unbelief. And now we are in the dispensation of grace. We are neither under old nor under new. We are under Christ. There is no Jew. There is no Gentile during this current dispensation. Are we living under the new covenant? No.